Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. In this episode, I am chatting with Christina Ciavalli. She is uh, one of our friends over at UNIT, and she is also leading community at This Week in Fintech. So I'm so excited to have this fintech influencer join me on the show to talk all things embedded finance, emerging markets in embedded finance, and she's giving us the tea on which markets we should be looking out for for the future of embedded finance and some of the almost pitfalls that we have seen and and where we can still make improvements. So her and I are a chatty group, which is good for podcasts, and we are getting into it. So I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Christina. It was the first time I've ever recorded anything with her and she felt like a dear friend already. So I hope you enjoy us uh, kicking it and enjoy the conversation. Christina, thank you so much for joining me uh, to talk about embedded finance, Bass, Latin America, so many things we're going to cover. But thank you for joining me thank in you real for life. Having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so excited. And to start, though, I still want to talk about your entrance into the fintech space. These are always the most interesting stories to me. And yours has left me on the edge of my seat the first time I heard it. I was like, what is going to happen next? So we're going to recreate that moment for this audience in a, in a sense. But I do know it starts with kind of you understanding that you, you know, you grew up with the proximity to Wall Street and seeing it, right? Kind of growing up outside of New York and landed a job or an internship to start at Goldman Sachs when you were a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it begins. Yeah, that's where it begins. And I think, honestly, Nicole, maybe it was because I grew up around here. Maybe it was because, you know, the media tells you that, like, that is the definition of like making it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought like, awesome, great. I'm going to go work at Goldman Sachs. And I'm going to die a Goldman Sachs partner. <laughs> like this is my journey. Done. The path life life yeah. set. Check that box. Now I can go like live the rest of my life. But a few years in, you know, after kind of completing the analyst program, it was tough. Like I looked around and I was like, I don't know if I see myself here. Um, I liked the work I was doing. I don't think I felt like super passionate about it. And so I was kind of thinking like, what else is out there? And I mentioned to you, like, I moved with Goldman Sachs to San Francisco. And I think it's really hard to be in Silicon Valley, like, in the Bay Area and to see all these people working at these really cool startups Mm -hmm. and not get that itch. So I just thought, like, let me put my resume on AngelList and, you know, I'll see what happens. Go to bed, wake up the next morning, and this company, Plaid, Played, didn't even know how to pronounce it (laughs) at the time, reached out to me. And I was like, cool, like, I'll take the call. Why not? So I went through the interview process with them, actually got the job offer. This is, like, 2017. There are, like, Mm -hmm. 75 people, Series B. Um, I don't even like know what that means at the time. I'm reading <laughs> bonds. So this is like all an entirely different language than the one I was speaking, um, which is its own language in and of itself. But I get the job offer and ultimately actually turned it down. Like I was, I think, a little bit risk averse. I think Crazy. the pay like change was a lot. And I just I wasn't ready. Stayed on Wall Street for like another year, went to a different firm, thought maybe that, you know, will make things better. And then just kind of kept watching Plaid. Like, I think I kept my Google alerts on from the interview prep. Oh, wow. Um, blessing in disguise, looking back. And so I reached back out to Plaid and I was like, hey, you know, like, I actually think I'm ready now. Like, can I re-interview? And that was a whole a whole nother process. But at the <laughs> end of it, like, I was certain. And I made the jump. I took the pay cut. I mean, it, it ultimately at that point now was Series C. So yeah. 
even less equity, which is a bummer because I think those shares really be worth something. But um, oh my gosh, I made the leap into fintech and was very nervous about it. Candidly, like I didn't know mm-hmm. that was uh, the right trade-off. And so many people were like, why would you leave Goldman Sachs? And like, you know, you made it to this mm-hmm. great investment bank and like, you're just going to cut it short. And I was like, I don't know. I just felt like this urge to do something different. And so uh, fast forward, worked at Plaid, had the best years there, um, recently switched over to Unit last year and have been there over a year now. And I just love fintech. It's definitely been, it's been a really good journey so far. Oh my gosh. What's your favorite, almost like just the difference between maybe the traditional Goldman Sachs and then Plaid unit lifestyle? Uh, There's so many. I mean, I also think it's specific to like when you have market hours, like your day is very defined Mm -hmm. by those market hours. Like I can't trade you a bond once the market's closed. Like I can't Mm -hmm. trade it with you on the weekend. Like Mm -hmm. you're sort of within the confines of the market. With fintech, like fintech is everywhere. Like we're doing this right now at the end of the day. Like uh, South by Southwest was an amazing conference. There's a ton of fintech stuff going on over the weekend. Like I just kind of like that I can have a little bit more flexibility, like make my own hours kind of work when mm-hmm. it's best for me. That was definitely one. But I also think like there's this really cool, especially in startups and fintech, like ownership mentality. Mm-hmm. It's just when you work at a big company of like 30,000 people, um, it's hard to feel like you're making an impact. But I right. think that in fintech, like every day, especially in B2B infrastructure, which is the only place I've worked in fintech across yeah. both companies, I feel like I'm actually working with companies that are like having big impact and changing things about the way that we yeah. live our financial lives. There's a passion and like intimacy, I feel like, when you work at a at a fintech company. Admittedly, I haven't done that yet, um, but I sure know a lot of them <laughs> and a lot of people that work in fintech and interview a lot of you. And there's, you know, I was talking to, I recently wrote a story for my Forbes contributor page about landing a job in fintech. Even right now, there's a lot of fintech companies that are hiring, even if they're more selectively hiring. And when I was talking to a bunch of different recruiters, these like really smart women recruiting in fintech, they were sharing with me, you know, one of the biggest differences that people I don't think realize when you are entering fintech is like the CEO is going to read your news or your newsletter, you read your uh, resume, yeah. you know, the, the CEO is going to read your your cover letter. I mean, you know, the CEO is going to and founder is going to meet you and interview you probably, which you, you know, probably experience even at Plaid. Yeah. You know, and and that's something so different than maybe just the rigid process of a very traditional space. And so you're kind of you're still entering a place where people's hearts and souls are so heavily in it. And people are really like interested in changing the world. That's what fintech was created for. Whereas like traditional finance is very interested in just keeping its cycle going. Yeah, that was another big thing, too. There were these processes that we were still doing, like with paper and pen, like literally writing down our (laughs) trades at the end of the day, like. Christina buys this many bonds from Nicole at this price and like on paper for like the audit trail. And I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. And so I think banks are important. Uh, We've definitely learned that this year. (laughs) Um, And so I would say like that is kind of like a cornerstone of the ecosystem and absolutely like needs to exist. But I'm enjoying kind of being on, you know, rather backwards looking at like all the history of banks and how important they are for the foundation of the financial ecosystem. I like being on the forefront and saying like, what's next? What's Mm -hmm. coming? What's innovative? Like, what are the problems we need to solve for the future for our kids one day Mm -hmm. um, versus doing more of like the old school stuff? Yeah, my first episode of my podcast was with Lula de Messe. And I'll never forget in that episode her saying, because she kind of did that. I mean, she has like a long standing career in traditional wealth management and then now she's like a, is a fintech CEO of, of eToro. And she was talking through 
what type of position am I in where I get to stand closest to the fire and be the most challenged and and all of that? And I think that if you're the kind of person that's down to be kind of stretched and have your mind stretched and altered and can handle that level of putting that much of yourself into your work, then yeah, this is like a really great space. And I think it's it's fundamental for so many women to be a part of it and think like that, you know, to not think, oh, I must just go the tr- a, tr- a traditional route. I too can play in this space and put my disruptive thoughts out there and innovate in financial services. I mean, without women doing that, I don't think we unlock the you know future of financial inclusion personally. I agree. Um, and it's <laughs> actually been fun. Like I was just at FinTech Meetup mm-hmm. um, with you in Las Vegas and there were three women from my like Wake Forest graduating class that were all there. And like Kelsey, for example, oh, at Aura, um, we literally were the same major, same freshman hall, graduated, both worked at Goldman Sachs and like now are both in fintech. And so it's just fun to kind of see like where our careers have taken us from, you know, education to like that first job out of school to where we are now and like where we want to go. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Also has been on this show. Has She's the best. In person, in this seat. Oh, my God. That's, that's the cutest. I love this. Um, okay. So then... I mean, what an interesting journey for you to... So on the fintech side, you've really been in that B2B infrastructure side. I mean, differences from joining Plaid in what year? <laughs> to 2023? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I, I met Plaid and like really felt like I fell in love with Plaid in 2017. 2018, like I said, was sort of the year where I was like giving Wall Street one last shot. And then I joined um, early 2019. And even in that amount of time, I mean, the conversations I'd had in my first mm-hmm. round of interviews versus with Zach and William uh, to the conversations I had in my second round of interviews, like very different. The company mm-hmm. had grown a lot, raised another round, moved offices in SF. You can like feel that physical, you know, moving mm-hmm. offices. I don't know if, if you were going to start up moving offices, like uh, hopefully this resonates, but it really feels like that's a milestone. Yeah. Um, we at Unit right now are like getting our office next month. And that's like, you know, that's like a huge. It is. It is. Step. Like, Lots of startup people in this are in this audience. Yeah. They will. They will understand. So um, I think 2019, I was just falling in love with working at a fintech startup. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the best combination of chaos and creativity and <laughs> fun. Um, and yeah. when I was like, there's a company retreat to Mexico, like I'm pinch me, I'm dreaming. <laughs> like truly, I mean, these are just things that like don't happen at Goldman Sachs, yeah. right? And then, you know, 2020, January, it was like, surprise, Visa's buying us. And some people were very happy because they're like, liquidity, yay. And I was like, no, we're going back to a big company. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I just left and finally felt like I was moving away from. Um, so mixed feelings. And then, of course, the pandemic happens. And 2020 was full of a ton of uncertainty, like both on a micro level about will Plaid become part of Visa and like mm-hmm. on a macro level of like what's going to happen to all our customers? Like, is this a good thing or a bad mm-hmm. thing? Turns out that when you're all stuck inside at home, a lot of people are innovating in financial services and having access to bank data is like really important. So I think 2020 was like, a particularly good year for a lot of Plaid clients, particularly in the crypto space. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, there were some challenges for our clients as well. I think that's something I like being in a B2B space is you're sort of taking almost like an index approach. Mm-hmm. Like if your customers like span a bunch of different use cases, there'll be winners, there'll be some mm-hmm. challenges. But at the end of the day, the infrastructure company can you know hopefully weather things like a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2021, like it had been announced a year later, we're not going to be part of Visa. Surprise. <laughs> And so it was like, okay, raise the D round and then, you know, acquired Cognito. So a lot of change, a lot of growth, a lot of evolution. And ultimately, like by the time I left Plaid, I think it was 
1,300 employees. Oh. And I had started to miss that that feeling of like the the baby plaid that I got introduced to is 75. And I was like, I think I kind of, you know, want to go back to that at some point. Um, and then I got introduced to unit uh, earlier than I wanted to. Uh, Unit's a partner of Plaid. So I was I was familiar with their product, but not so much their people. Um, met Itai, our mm-hmm. founder. Mm-hmm. And I was they were like, yeah, you can come over, be employee 50. We're building a founding team. And I was like, oh, man, this sounds so fun. I, you're like, I'm a glutton for pleasure. Yeah. I love this. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, so no, it's been great. On the side of just like, okay, let's talk about embedded finance, I guess. Let's do it. Because... <laughs> Because you have then seen a ton being on the back end there and just being so deep into it. I guess the biggest almost evolution from you entering, you know, at Plaid and now being at Unit going through a global pandemic, it might as well be a decade of change. Yeah, it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I think it started out like everyone should be a bank, right? And like yeah, starting oh a bank was like sexy. It was like fun. And it was like, if you want to be a founder, like you and me, let's go. Let's yeah. build Neobank. Let's do it. <laughs> Everyone's a bank. Everyone's a bank. And, you know, the, part of it is like we are here to make it easy, right? Like you will link your old bank account with Plaid to move the funds from Chase Wells City into insert name of Neobank mm-hmm. here. And Unit is going to be the infrastructure that said Neobank can build upon. So like I've always worked at companies that do help genuinely when they say like democratize financial services, like allow builders to build, mm. which I love. However, I think that narrative has shifted from should it just be like fintech for fintech to how can we help these vertical SaaS companies, these large existing ecosystems mm-hmm. across like a myriad of random mm-hmm. use cases, trucking, legal case management software, restaurants um, who still deal with a ton of cash. I'm working with a bunch of ag tech companies right now, um, the farmers and their crops and like how all the payments are made, super check heavy, super cash heavy. Like there's a lot of opportunity that I almost feel like being so deep in the fintech bubble you don't like pick your head up and like look around, you could kind of miss it. Yeah. So I think the trend has shifted from just focus on like fintechs for mm-hmm, fintechs mm-hmm. to how can we help these publicly traded companies learn about fintech? Like education is like half my day job, honestly. Oh my God. It's explaining like, did you even know this was possible? And they're like, whoa. Yeah. We can open an account, fund it and like start transacting within weeks and not actually have to become a bank. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. I like my job. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I mean, it's even like even to the the Apple, you know, announcement with Goldman Sachs that happened. I mean, we're recording this the week it happened. And I found it funny that some people were like, Apple's becoming a bank, like some of the like online influencers. And I was like, no, they're not like Goldman Sachs is a bank. Apple is is still the tech company that it is. But that was the point. The point was that, you know, Apple was able to provide these banking services and not have to actually become a bank. They get to use Goldman Sachs. And that kind of goes back to the core of what makes fintech and embedded finance so exciting and what makes someone like you who's so passionate about it be like, yeah, because, yeah, is it fun to make fintech better or make finance better? Of course. Like, yeah, yeah. But how cool is it to get to go to other spaces, adjacencies, to go to other industries and say, you know, to healthcare and say, hey, we can make solutions to make this incredibly traditional, this other traditional system better and work better for everyone because finance touches everyone and touches every industry. It's so cool. I tend to, the vastness of our capabilities of how we can change the world with financial technology is like scary because it seems overwhelming, but is exciting at the same time, right? Like that's the challenge and that's the whole point. I mean, how cool is it to be able to, do you have more fun talking to companies that aren't in in the finance space? 
I feel like right now on I a am, kind level. We're on a kind of <laughs> very kind level. Um, I mean, I also think that's probably like I'm five years in. So yeah. I feel like I also started with more SMB like startups mm-hmm. to guys in a garage trying to build the next fintech. Mm-hmm. Um working with them, helping yeah. them launch. Now I've well, just up, different. It's different. Yeah. I moved up to enterprise and it's been cool to be like, okay, you're a restaurant point of sale solution and you want to bank these restaurants and give them yield instead of having them earn 0.05% at Chase. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And I, my first job in high school was I was a hostess. So like mm-hmm. that hits home for me, yeah, right? I'm like, exactly. I get that. That's tangible. Um, And then there's other situations where I'm like completely naive to the the challenges for farmers. And I'm learning about whole new industries and how like we can help. And I'm, I find myself like, jumping up and down with excitement on the call, like, oh my God, wait, we have the perfect thing for you. Like, this is going to make that whole flow of funds that you described, which is horribly inefficient and fraught, like with Mm -hmm. risks Mm -hmm. and challenges in terms of actually keeping track and reconciling. I mean, reconciliation is a whole nother, we could have a whole nother way to (laughs) that. But like, we are really here, like unit was built to solve these problems, make this better. Mm -hmm. And it's cool because in a given day, I can speak to five completely different use cases that can all leverage Bass to like solve all the challenges that they're facing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of fun. To think also, I guess, in a sense of where it's maybe less fun in terms of like where the challenges can be and are. And I feel like we we understand all of these opportunities. But I think, you know, we're, we're at a place where, okay, so what was difficult before was that maybe these other industries didn't fully understand or have the software capabilities. But now we're at a place where that's, pretty normal right like that's that like everyone has these things but is it the educational side of it that's maybe more difficult is it I mean I find that in my universe but slightly different but (laughs) yeah I think the educational piece is part of it I mean we can't say best to anyone that's not like a fin right right like right and even embedded finance we're trying to think about like what's what's like the street slang for like how to say term what we do Mm. you know have to coin it yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to come back to that (laughs) like Street fintech. Yeah. Um, like nomenclature that, I don't know, <laughs> makes sense to the non-fintech folk. But mm. we're figuring that out. Um, I think another challenge, like honestly, is just working with like a third party to make this work, right? Like when I was at Plaid, it was just Plaid and the customer. It was a very like bilateral like relationship. Mm-hmm. Now it's very like the customer and the bank and me at Unit. Mm. So it's more of a tri-party um, mm. situation. And so I think... One, kind of trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that there's enough of a pie to split in terms of like the revenue share and in terms of making sure that like the risk appetite of the bank, which is ever changing, especially in this environment, like works with the use case mm-hmm. and the customer that we're trying to win um, over at unit is like all aligned. It takes a long time. Yeah, it's hard. It it's complicated. Time. There's regulations. Um, I was working with a client just this week who is doing a lot of um, business banking for folks that are working with U.S. businesses, but potentially a foreign beneficial owners. And the challenge of getting an EIN, <laughs> you don't have a social security number, right? Like it's this whole thing. And yeah, so I find like every other day, I'm like, wow, I'm learning so much more about bank compliance than like I ever thought I would know having left a bank. Like I no longer work at a bank, um, but now I'm like knee deep in, you know, KYB flows and AML, and, like all this stuff. Um which is, is interesting, but of course, like, does have its challenges. Right. I mean, well, and I think it's just being kind of waking up every day and being open to learn, like having that kind of hunger to learn, which is a natural thing that anyone who works in fintech should have. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people yeah. do. I mean, there's a ton to learn. Like, I, 
I still feel like every day I'm like, whoa, that's a whole other area I would like, love to dive into. Oh my uh, gosh. I read like, I, like I'm recent, I'm coming out with a, uh, my first like educational course, like asynchronous course that people can take. And it is literally like FinTech 101. I'm reading this course like, oh shit, did I know this? <laughs> I'm like putting this thing together and I'm just like, oh, I mean, I could have really used this refresher. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's meant for people that are more like fintech enthusiasts or curious, but man, I don't know. I feel like there's still so much to be refreshed on. And even in like almost the, in, in the history of things like Bass or embedded finance, you know, you can, it can be really, really easy to just think about like where we're at in this present moment and what needs to be fixed or what's broken or whatever, but you really, to understand almost like the whole context of it all helps you get to, I think, to the yeah, the innovation or the future better, which is what you have is context. I got a bit of context. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny, though, like you you go so deep in something like aggregation at Plaid. Right. And you're like, OK, my job was to be an expert in that, like studied really hard, learned. I mean, I knew nothing coming in from bond trading, mm-hmm. like totally different world. Oh, my gosh. And then I pivoted to banking as a service. And I thought, oh, yeah. And I mean, even my colleagues at Unit, they were like, oh, she's going to know everything. She came from Plaid. And then it was like, whoa, different product. Like, different, you know, sales like like different uh, structured all of this different stakeholders in this. I wasn't really working with compliance at Plaid at all. But with banking regulation, if I'm not, you get someone right. in pretty big trouble. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, really, really cool, though, the transition to be able to, you know, think about that more. And I mean, maybe before we move on to Latin America, I'd be curious in terms of kind of the the banking regulation and and that partnership. I mean, is it getting I hope it's get. Is it getting easier like the over time? Hundred percent. I mean, I think there's a couple things. Uh, we're communicating more closely. We're a little bit more in lockstep. Like when I first joined, um, we also only had like two or three partner banks. Now mm-hmm. we've got nine. So it's also just like by diversifying the portfolio of banks, we can make sure that whatever opportunities come our way, they have a right bank partner because there's just simply more to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that. It's something that you're never going to get right, like off the bat. You've got to kind of work at it, finesse it, fix it. And like candidly, you know, the capital thresholds for being banked by one of our partner banks used to be really low. And now with everything that's going on in the world, like they've raised that a little bit. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure you have 12 months of runway. They want to make sure that, you know, you're really committed to launching this Mm -hmm. product. And for better or for worse, you know, that's like where the market is moving. And so I think that we just need to know that. And then we're able to kind of communicate that to our clients. And then it's been fun because I'm like, okay, you need a raise. Don't worry. Meet my friends in VC. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, <laughs> right. I've got introductions I can help with. Like, I just want to make this work for you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The bridge so. building. And transitioning to Latin America. This is really what we're here to talk about. Yes. Um, but I think about, you know, talking through just the the trends and the things that we're, you're seeing in, in embedded finance and Bass and you're thinking about how do we extend these learnings or capabilities or collaborations into, you know, another market like Latin America. Obviously, we're all just still learning and kind of thinking out loud here. But overall, I mean, what does that take? <laughs> what is yeah, that? I mean, it's funny, like some of the problems that they're solving are not too different from ours, mm-hmm. right? Like they still have farmers and they still have restaurants <laughs> like they're they're going through the same thing. And I mm-hmm. think that's why there was an article recently that came out about like visa potentially acquiring, because mm-hmm. um, we know all these acquisitions don't always go through. Right. Um, but um, 
Pismo, which is basically like a unit of LATAM. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they're doing banking as a service in Latin America. And I think similar to how here it can help so many vertical SaaS companies, as well as fintechs, build faster, build better products. That's definitely something that they're working on there. And then I think just having the proximity to the U.S. and to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. for LATAM can kind of help them learn from some of our mistakes, because I, I think we're a little bit farther ahead here in the United States. And then also like learn from some of the things that are really working well here and building mm-hmm. that for their communities too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I also think you have to actually go there, you know, yeah. you have to go there. And like uh, one thing that was cool about um, the episode before you, I was talking to Ahan from Helix and he just got back from Taiwan. So not Latin America, but Taiwan. And <laughs> but he was just saying how and oh, my gosh, you probably could resonate with this, but even on vacation, my little fintech nerd brain will, you know, experience another culture and just kind of be like, Ooh, fintech could have been helpful in this moment. Fintech could have been good here. And, you know, you're like seeing where there's still holes somewhere else. And trust me, I mean, America has its own holes yes. in, the, in its system. But, you know, just seeing it in other places and thinking how you could change other people's lives too here in the, these different ways. So it's funny that you say that because... As you know, on the side, I work at This Week in Fintech, mm-hmm. and um, we actually did our company retreat last year in Mexico. Oh, yeah. And we were there at um, the end of the month. It was September 30th. And when we were driving into town, I saw all these people lined up outside a Mexican bank. And I remember, like, my first thought was, oh, my God, is there a run on the banks? I know. People are standing outside. Like, hold on. Like, I first of all, the last time, I can't even tell you, I actually think <laughs> I was cashing bonds for my 30th birthday. It was like the last time that I like walked stood in a bank because I had to. Um, Maybe like we should build the app for that. But anyway, (laughs) I asked that question out loud and someone just like looked at, you know, probably their iPhone and said, oh no, it's the last day of the month. Like people are getting their paychecks. Like they're getting paid. And I was like, oh my goodness. You know, I was a lifeguard in high school too. And like, I would have to go pick up my check from the pool every two weeks. And I was getting like, I don't know, $7 an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fun times, fun times. But it's like, wow, even that, I mean, I remember how horrible that was and how quickly that changed, mm-hmm. right? And now it's direct deposit, boom, into my bank account. I don't yeah. even think I'm paid. I just get like a fun little email alert, like you've been paid. But it occurred to me like, wow, that that hasn't even happened yet for some of these people here in Mexico. Who's working on that? Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing to fix that? And so it's been fun. Through my role, I've met a lot of cool founders. I met the team at Nomad Global. Um, mm. They're doing awesome stuff in Brazil. Um, and they've even got this cool Nomad Global Lounge at the Sao Paulo airport. Um, right. Their product okay. basically, yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, lounge at the airport. I know. You do something right. <laughs> they are. They definitely are. Um, so really cool. The idea, I mean, the name Nomad Global mm. is like there's a lot of people in Brazil. They travel. They want access to like U.S. dollars as well. And they want a better like financial app and mm-hmm. um, life. And so they're making that possible through their product, which is really, really cool. So I think we're going to see a lot more, particularly out of Brazil, I know that their central bank is like really heavily involved mm. working with them on picks to do instant transfers and payments. So I think that's definitely like LATAM as a whole, but Brazil in particular, like market to watch. Ooh, okay. Well, you heard it here. Uh, you heard it here first, <laughs> Brazil, the market to watch. I mean, I feel like you did a great job of kind of breaking down for us the unique opportunity that is Latin America. And I mean, it is crazy to think back at the days of, I mean, it didn't happen for too long for me, but even just like my first job, having getting my paycheck, being like, woohoo, but not really getting to use that money yeah. until I physically like drove to an ATM and deposited it into my bank account. And now I, my SoFi account is just like split into, I don't even think about it. It's just like, yeah. soup, and it 
I'm like, oh, great. My emergency fund, my savings, my my spending money is all separate, my investings. And anyways, we want to bring that to everyone. I uh, take that for granted a little bit. Oh, know? my God. Are you kidding? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, the reason I personally don't take it for granted is because I've just started doing it over the last, like I'm new. My like, So if I sent me like a happy anniversary, one year anniversary, you know, because I kind of had like analysis paralysis over some, like being so deep in the industry, you can kind of get that. Yeah, we have but so we many do take, Yeah, yeah. There's, and there's also like so many founders that I want to support. Um, oh at one point last year, I just looked at all the credit cards, like all the products that I had been, because, you know, at Plot, I was meeting people every day. There was like a card for fitness folks. I was like, I'm opening one of those. <laughs> um, and then it's just like, hold on a minute. Like where, what am I doing? Hard That's to true though. I also want to just like be so nice. I want to like be supportive of all my friends that have yeah. these fintech companies. And it's like, oh, I can't open like a hundred investing accounts. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't necessarily be the best for me but no I mean I just I've I've personally experienced how much it can you know really change your life and even just something as simple as like segmenting your your payroll and I would imagine it's almost a more collaborative process to connect with people in Latin America like if you know picking that that spot and talking more to each other about what do they do well that we could do better and and vice versa yeah um but like closing us out, what do you think are ultimately some of the just, you know, we have the unique opportunity. What's the most exciting, I guess? I mean, I really think that what they're doing in Latin America that's like in collaboration with like the government Mm. um, is exciting because like you need everyone. If there's Mm -hmm. anything I've learned Mm -hmm. from Bass, it's like we need the banks, but we need the fintech. Like we all do need to work together. And so I think it's just exciting that like the mindset of like the Central Bank of Brazil is really progressive, really forward thinking, like they care about it and they're taking like actionable steps. So I just think like that as a whole is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And then I think some of the startups that are coming out of Brazil, like Nomad Global are doing really, really well. And Mm -hmm. so seeing like how they evolve, you know, there's always V1, V2, then the roadmap for the next year has a lot of like cool stuff coming out. So I'm excited to kind of keep watching. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great take. And that's an instance of we could probably learn some of that our, yeah. ourselves to be more collaborative um, with the banks. I think we're getting to that that it's point, true. though, now that fintech's getting a little more mature. Anyways, final closing question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> separate from, I mean, you could pertain it to Latin America if you want, but mostly it is, if we need to be the change that we wish to see, what is the change in fintech you wish to see and how do you embody it? I would definitely say getting more women in mm-hmm. fintech. I was literally on a call today about how to get more DNI in our pipeline mm-hmm. for hiring. Mm-hmm. It's important. And I also think as a woman myself, like who has been in a lot of seats where there's not a ton of women, mm-hmm. you got to help. Like you have to make women feel comfortable, make women feel like they can do it. Let women see you as approachable. You know, like you have this incredible platform. You do an amazing job at this. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's all I'm trying to do. Right. right. Like let other women know like, hey, if you didn't think you could do fintech sales or be a PM or be in fintech VC, like you can Mm -hmm. and let me show you how or like Mm -hmm. let me introduce you to someone who can help or let me answer Mm -hmm. your questions or like let me be a sounding board. I think that is the most important thing. And I mean, you know, we're in a lot of the same women in fintech chats, women Mm -hmm. in fintech channels, women in fintech communities. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love like our sisters in fintech. Like it is (laughs) truly there's no question that like you or I could put in one of those channels and say that we need help with and not get like five responses. In five. Every time. Every time. This is how you're on the show. It's yes. through one of those chats. Yeah, seriously. I was like, hey, I need I need to talk to people who are like experts in embedded finance and bass. And, and I was like, not an expert, and, but yeah. happy to help. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I mean, I, 
an expert to me and to our audience, of course. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you for joining the show. I couldn't agree more on getting more women into the space, obviously. And yeah, I would just say that like you sharing your story and being open and honest about it is one of the it's the day to day. It's the putting yourself out there. It's the being open and vulnerable with your story and, you know, sharing the the journey from Goldman Sachs to to fintech to sales to everything. So thanks for putting yourself out there and putting a, being a voice for women and and being an expert in embedded finance and beds. <laughs> thank you for creating a space to do that. This was a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.